Coming up on the Six Ps podcast, we are returning to Manhattan, Greenwich Village to be specific as we look at Alfred Hitchcock's rear window. We'll be going over some of the background information and the um, context detail that you'll need to know, as well as look at the basic plot. That and much more coming up on the Six Ps podcast right now. Hello and welcome back to the Six Ps podcast for another edition. We are in revision mode as we speak. Probably when this is going to be dropped, it's about five or six weeks before the English exam. I definitely understand you've got uh, three or four other exams, maybe even five if you're doing a couple of maths exams as well. But um, English obviously is the most important one. October 30 is the date. It's three hours and of course 15 minutes of reading time but you've got the next few weeks really to focus on revising and today's the first of three podcasts to do with rear window Um, in the next couple of days you'll get a podcast on the key characters and themes and one on writing a text response essay but today we're going to be looking at the background information and the basic plot if you would like to get in contact, you can do so via email. It's probably the best way to do that. Email address is 6pspodcast at gmail.com. That's 6pspodcast at gmail.com. And I'll be happy to um, answer any questions that you have. I know a couple of people have been asking me to do podcasts on the text that they're doing um, in class. So we'll see if we have time um, to get to that. But Um, We're going to focus mainly here on rear window, especially over the next week. And I guess when we start talking about rear window, we have to start with a director, Alfred Hitchcock. He's one of the most well-renowned directors in the world of all time, really. Um, He's a master of suspense and thriller films. You might have seen uh, some of his films, Psycho, which I really rate. I think it's a great film. Um, The Birds, North by Northwest, um, Vertigo. Um, If you are a fan of San Francisco, um, I'm not really um, much more an East Coast sort of person, but um, Vertigo is a great film about San Francisco, some really good footage there. Definitely these are sort of films worth watching to get a really good um, perspective of how Hitchcock works, but I'm obviously very aware of time, uh, and I know that you would have already watched, or re-watched, I should say, Rewindow once, if not twice, over the break. And this leads us into the time period, which is the 1950s, and this film was released in 1954. So we're looking at American society, particularly metropolitan society being New York. We're looking post-World War II, um, where America came off really well. Obviously, they were victorious in World War II. Um, Germany and Japan surrendered in 1945. This is sort of five to ten years after that. When we look at... um, the 1950s, we think about women in the workforce. So during World War II, they were very prominent in factories, particularly providing or um, making ammunition, clothing, food for the soldiers. Um, and when World War II ended, many women were reluctant to return to their home lives. They were keen to continue working and making an income. And this is reflected, I guess, in the character of Lisa Fremont, who works for a fashion magazine. Um, we know that um, um, women are largely dependent on men and in fact they were expected to give up their careers when they married so 
Um, we obviously know that Lisa values her job quite highly, and um, it's interesting how Jeff views Lisa's job. Obviously, he looks at what she wears, and he sort of ridicules her um, when she explains what happened on her day. In fact, he actually laughs at her when he suggests that he could work in a fashion magazine. If we look at um, marriage as well, um, Jeff sort of views that as a bit of a prison. He doesn't want to marry Lisa because she's too perfect. Um, really interesting when we look at that as well, the idea that he sees marriage as him giving up his job. You know, He'd have to give something up in order to get married, which is interesting because that's what women were expected to do. There's a bit of irony there as well. When we talk about American society um, as well, where talking about quite a conservative society. So America is in the midst of the Cold War. And this was, I guess, an ideological war. Um, It was, put simply, democracy versus communism. And in America, there was a real fear of communism. When we talk about McCarthyism, that's what we talk about. It's um, that fear of communism, that anti-communism sentiment, and pointing out and finding people who are communists or communist sympathizers. And in fact, the government encouraged people to um, view their neighbours with suspicion, to look at other people and to report anything they felt was un-American. And obviously we know by looking at the Crucible, we know that Arthur Miller was sent to HUAC, to the House of Un-American Committees. And this leads us, I guess, talking and looking at voyeurism, which is, I think, probably the most important theme in the film. So the idea of voyeurism is looking at other people living vicariously through others that means sort of, I guess, attaining um, your values, satisfaction, gratification by viewing other people. Um, Jeff does this throughout the film um, because he has a lack of a job and therefore a lack of a purpose. Um, it sort of leads him to voyeurism. And, you know, this does become his job. And anytime he's questioned about what he sees or what he thinks, um, it sort of impacts on his masculinity and he takes it really, really personally. But um, we'll look at voyeurism in a bit more detail uh, next time. For now, let's have a look at the basic plot. So um, the establishing sequence shows to the audience the whole neighborhood and characters within this Greenwich Village neighborhood. Greenwich Village, of course, is in New York. This is the establishing sequence, I should say, is one of the few times or few scenes where Jeff is not present. So the majority of this film um, is done so from within Jeffrey's apartment. You might think already about what specific scene or scenes um, aren't shot from his perspective, from his apartment. Have a think about that. But we have L.B. Jeffries, who is our protagonist. And we know his name is L.B. Jeffries because it appears on his plaster. Uh, He's stuck in his apartment after hurting his leg at work. He is a week away from getting his plaster cocoon off and he has a discussion with his boss. And as he's having a discussion with his boss, we see him looking at um, his other neighbours. He looks at Miss Torso who's dancing. He looks at some um, sunbakers up on the roof and he also looks... Um, at the Thorwalds, the married couple from across the road. In fact, when he talks about marriage and marriage involving sort of a nagging wife, um, he talks about this as he's watching them and he, as he's watching the, the um, Thorwalds. So he gets off the phone and Stella arrives. Stella is the uh, insurance nurse, so she's there to sort of look after him and make sure that he's okay. They discuss Lisa Fremont, who is Jeffrey's girlfriend, and um, they discuss, I guess, Jeff's general views 
on women and marriage. Um, Stella talks about her own marriage. She talks about her and her husband being, well, when they first got together, they were maladjusted misfits, and they're still maladjusted misfits now. And she sort of views marriage in a very traditional way. It's like you meet someone, you marry them, like bam, like two ta- taxis on Broadway. And she sort of wants Jeff to take her advice. Stella is a very direct, straightforward speaker. She's a great character to look at. She's sort of, we look at Jeffries and uh, Lisa being our two sort of main characters, but Stella's sort of there as well. I think she's definitely worthwhile analyzing because she represents sort of the more traditional views. I think the language she uses as well is really good to have a think about too. Um, Again, a bit more colloquial in the way that she talks, a bit more informal as opposed to some of the other characters. So, next scene, and Lisa arrives for dinner. There's a bit of tension and suspense when she arrives as well. She casts a shadow over Jeff. She's quite dominating over him as well, which might reflect um, their relationship, particularly with Jeff um, being confined to his wheelchair. She provides dinner for Jeff. It's a lobster dinner from 21, a very upmarket restaurant. And they have several discussions, which I guess outline their differences. So Jeff wants to continue working and doesn't see Lisa following him. Jeff, of course, is a photographer who works overseas. Um, And uh, Jeff laughs at Lisa's suggestion that he stay in New York and work for a fashion magazine, for example. Now, as they're eating dinner or preparing for dinner, they witness a couple of the neighbours. One of those is Miss Lonely Huts, who lives in the apartment um, on the bottom floor. Um, She has a pretend date. Miss Torso, who lives slightly above her and to the left of screen, is entertaining three male guests. Now, Lisa sympathises with both of these women, and she even questions Jeff when she sort of says about herself being lonely, Jeff's like, you're not lonely, Um, I'm paraphrasing there, of course, Um, but Lisa retorts back saying, oh, you can see my apartment from here, can you? And um, they have this massive argument about um, where they are in their relationship, where they are in their lives, and Lisa leaves. Now, after Lisa's left, Jeff is left um, at home to look out um, on the yard, on the community, and he hears a scream from across another building. Um, he raises his eyebrows, he thinks it's a little bit suspicious, um, but um, he ends up going to sleep. And in fact, the next couple of scenes uh, is Jeff dozing in and out of sleep. He witnesses his neighbour, who we know is Lars Thorwald, making several trips from the apartment and out in the rain. And again, it does start to rain. Now, it's quite summer, it's quite hot. Um, the rain doesn't bring any relief, though. The temperature still remains the same. And we see a thermometer a couple of times throughout the text just to highlight the heat around and perhaps the heat can reflect or symbolize the tension or the stifling um, nature of Jeff's predicament where he's quite confined. Now the next day Jeff is telling Stella what he thought he witnessed and he also sees a dog sniffing around in the flower bed which sort of piques his interest and he looks quite curiously at that. Jeff starts um, looking at Thorwald's apartment though and he does so by using binoculars and uh, his camera with a bifocal lens so Literally, he's using his work equipment to look at at Thorwald and try and ascertain any information he can about what he thinks is the murder of Thorwald's wife that he committed the night before. Now, Lisa has returned and notices that Jeff's obsession with Thorwald is getting a bit out of control, but upon noticing 
that Mrs. Thorwald's bag is still on the nightstand, and she says that a woman never leaves without her favourite handbag. She starts to share Jeff's belief that Anna Thorwald has been murdered by her husband. Jeff contacts an investigator, Tom Doyle, who was also um, with him during the war. Doyle is sceptical about what Jeff has seen, but says that he will look into it. We then see the neighbours once again. So you've got the songwriter who's entertaining guests in his apartment and Miss Lonely Hearts who's preparing to go to the bar across the road and leave her apartment, which is, I think, quite significant for her. Now, Lisa arrives with a night case. So her intention is to stay the night, and this is really significant. So she's being quite forceful here. She's suggesting that, yes, she's going to stay the night, which, again, um, before marriage, would be something that would be viewed um, in a negative light by many conservative traditional viewers. Uh, Doyle returns to say that Thorwald's story checks out and that Anna Thorwald went by train to Merrittsville, and he sort of washes his hands of the case. Jeff and Lisa finally realise they're wrong, um, and Lisa closes the blinds. However, within seconds, a scream is heard, and it's a woman who lives on the very top floor. She's crying because her dog has been killed. Her dog is lying in the middle of the yard. Mrs. Lonely Hearts is the one who picks the dog up, puts it in a basket, and it's eventually wheeled up. This is one of the few um, shots in this scene, or in this sequence, I should say, where uh, a shot is from outside of Jeff's apartment. It's from, I guess, the perspective of the um, of the yard, and it's looking up at Miss Torso. Um, the woman whose dog has died, she sort of cries out, um, and she sort of questions what neighbours are meant to be, and sort of questions whether they are neighbourly, whether they're friendly and amicable. But as she sort of says this, Jeff realises that Lars Thorold has remained in his apartment, so while the other uh, residents are out on their balconies looking at this woman calling out, Thorwald has remained in his apartment, and Jeff views this as a bit of a sign of guilt. Now, plan is hatched, and Lisa goes to deliver a note to Thorwald, while Jeff and Stella watch on. Now, this note ends up getting Thorwald out of the apartment, as well as a call at Jeffrey's places to him. Lisa and Stella plan to dig up the garden bed to see if they can find the body, but they find nothing. Lisa, however, decides in her... Uh, beautiful dress and her high heels to climb up and enter the apartment. Stella returns and they observe Lisa in the apartment trying to find Anna's jewellery. However, they are distracted by Miss Lonely Hearts who attempts to commit suicide. Jeff calls the police to highlight that Miss Lonely Hearts is about to commit suicide, but as they do so, they notice that Thorwald is about to return to his apartment with Lisa in there. He catches Lisa in the apartment, but the police arrive just in time and they question Lisa about why she's in Thorwald's apartment, why she's broken in. While doing so, Lisa manages to flash Anna Thorwald's wedding ring at Jeff, but Thorwald notices this, and he stares at the camera. He stares at Jeff, he stares at the camera, and therefore he stares at the audience, implicating us in the guilt. Jeff sends Lisa, sorry, Jeff sends Stella, I should say, to bail Lisa out, and Jeff tries to contact Doyle, but he's out. He gets his wife and leaves a message. The phone rings in Jeff's apartment shortly after, and he assumes, of course, it's Thomas Doyle calling him back, but no one answers, and he realises, uh-oh, it's Lars Thorwald. Now, Jeff is alone in his apartment, and he hears Thorwald approaching before he enters his apartment. He asks Jeff, what do you want from me? 
As Sword approaches, Jeff tries to halt him by blinding him with the flashes from his camera, but eventually Thorwald grabs him and pushes him out of the apartment window, out of the rear window, I should say. The police come in time, but as they're grabbing Thorwald, Jeff falls. And there we see Lisa coming to his rescue. Now, between Jeff falling, um, it's about 12 seconds um, before he gets told that Thorwald has committed to the murder and told the police everything they need to know about the murder. So I think it's pretty impressive of Lars Thorwald to say all that in 12 seconds, but good on him. He must be very concise, which is important tips to know when it comes to writing your essays. Be concise, be direct with your writing. And then we have the closing sequence. It shows the neighborhood and um, what life is like for all the characters. And again, I haven't spoken about all the characters in this basic plot um, um, outline, but definitely watch the film and you can look at the characters like the newlyweds, um, his hearing aid, the songwriter as well. They are quite prominent and they are characters that you can definitely discuss, particularly when it comes to themes like gender roles, marriage, um, community and social isolation as well. So we get that similar to the establishing shot. We get the panning around of the neighborhood before entering the apartment where Jeff is sleeping. He now has two casts, both his legs are injured and Lisa is sitting there in her pants. She's wearing the pants, you might say. Yes, that's been done to death, I know. Um, And she's reading about the Himalayas. She notices Jeff is asleep and she pulls out a copy of Harper's Bazaar magazine. And that's where the film ends. So that's a basic recap of the plot. And that'll do, I think, for now, for this episode. We'll be back very shortly, though, where we'll be looking at the key characters and key themes on Rewindow. So until then, remember that proper prior preparation prevents poor performance. Are we finished? Done.